We know you have lots of questions. If you think that you've developed symptoms. Should I avoid large public gatherings? Whether schools should be closed. Welcome to Common Sense. Here we address your questions about COVID-19 with interviews featuring experts in medicine and leaders in community, public, and global health. Here's your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast, COVID-19, Common Sense Conversations on the Coronavirus Pandemic. I'm your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. This is the weekly update, and today is May 9th, 2020. We're going to be talking about blood clotting issues in the setting of COVID-19 infection, because this is something that we're starting to see more of potentially, and it's also something that's been hitting the news media. So in this episode, we're going to talk about these blood clotting issues and what is actually being seen clinically. We're going to talk about some of the research behind this, as well as the theories about why this might be happening, and then talk about things that can be done to potentially prevent this type of clotting. There are actually several different types of clotting issues that are being seen in the setting of COVID-19 infection. First, in patients who are in the ICU, we're seeing high rates of blood clots, mostly pulmonary embolism, which is blood clotting in the lungs that can be fatal. And it's being reported that anywhere from 20 to 43% of patients with COVID-19 who are sick enough to be in the hospital are developing blood clots. And this is occurring despite being on medications that are being given as prophylaxis to try to prevent blood clots, which is routine care in an ICU setting because of the increased risk of blood clots. What we're also seeing, though, is reports of unusual cases of stroke, stroke in young people who otherwise don't have significant risk factors for developing stroke. We're seeing a lot of blood clots in the lungs. And then also kidney injury and kidney failure from clots in the renal arteries. And this is proposed as one of the possible reasons why we may be seeing so many people who have who are sick with COVID-19 developing kidney failure. At the end of April, the New England Journal of Medicine published a letter that actually described five cases of stroke in younger patients who had COVID-19. And these are patients who otherwise don't have the typical risk factors for developing a stroke, things like older age, tobacco use, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, family history of stroke, etc. So the question becomes, what is actually going on here that may be causing strokes and other blood clotting issues to happen? So a term called coagulopathy and vascular endothelial dysfunction have been proposed as complications of COVID-19. And so what this means is that the virus may actually be damaging the cells that line the blood vessel walls, which can initiate the clotting cascade. Blood clots through a very complex cascade of one factor leading to another factor leading to another factor. And triggering that is what actually causes a blood clot so that if you cut cut yourself and it's not too serious of a cut, your blood will actually clot by exposing the blood to the cells in the lining of the vessels as well as, as other factors that occur. So at the heart of it, it's not clear if it's actually the infection itself that is potentially triggering this 
or if it is the immune system's response to the virus that could be contributing. But what we're seeing is patients with COVID-19 who are sick having very, very high levels of a thing called D-dimer, which is a protein fragment in the blood that's associated with blood clotting. And we're seeing patients with very, very high levels of this D-dimer. And so it's felt that that is part of what is going on in terms of these blood clots. We're also seeing other blood abnormalities. There's another test called a fibrinogen that can be a sign of of, um, abnormal blood clotting going on. Let's take a little bit of a look at the research that has been done and the studies that have been published. There was a case series of 184 ICU patients, and of these, 27% developed blood clots, despite the fact that all of these patients were being treated with blood thinners, which is standard practice in an ICU setting. There was another case series of 150 ICU patients being treated with dialysis, which is what we do when patients' kidneys are no longer functioning. They get put on on renal dialysis. All of these patients were being given blood thinners, which is also standard practice. And this is done to prevent the blood from clotting as it passes through the dialysis machine. And in these patients with COVID-19, 43% of them developed clots, mostly in the form of pulmonary embolism, which again is blood clotting in the lungs. What we're also seeing, though, that is unusual, most of the time when you get blood clotting, especially in a hospital setting, it's in the veins where the, the blood is not moving as rapidly as it is in the arteries. So you can kind of think about it as a, as a slower moving pool where potentially the blood, because it's not moving so rapidly, has more opportunity to stick and start to clot abnormally. And and blood that is pooling and not moving is is actually the blood that's at highest risk. So we tend to see less clotting in arteries because the heart is pumping blood through the arteries. It's moving at a more rapid rate. And and so generally we see less clotting in the arteries. But in the setting of COVID-19, we are seeing arterial blood clotting events That's actually what's behind these reports of the unusual strokes and strokes in in young people. We're also, though, seeing when they do autopsy studies, are seeing microvascular thrombosis, which means blood clotting in very, very small vessels. And sometimes that's not as clinically visible as as it is when you get clotting in larger vessels, because clotting in larger vessels can lead to large strokes. It can lead to what we call DVT, deep venous thrombosis, that's in the veins and the legs, and that can cause swelling and pain. It can lead to pulmonary embolism, which is clotting in the lungs, and that can lead to chest pain and shortness of breath. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes. Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. 
all to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. But on these autopsy studies, they're also seeing clotting that's occurred in, in very small vessels throughout the body. You may have heard already the term COVID toes. This is a, a term that's um, being used to describe patches of red to purple skin on the feet and the toes, but can also occur on the hands and the fingers and other locations throughout the body. And it's part of the spectrum of skin abnormalities that can be seen with COVID-19 and is part of diagnostic criteria. These COVID toes, where you get this patch, these patches of red to purple skin, may actually correspond to focal areas of vascular occlusion in small vessels. So again, clotting in very small vessels in the, the toes, the feet, but also the hands and the fingers and potentially elsewhere. This may actually be a sign of hypercoagulability, meaning increased susceptibility to developing blood clots, although this really is not clear yet, and we don't have enough studies to be sure about what actually is going on there. So then based on what we know about the potential blood clotting risks in both the veins and the arteries in the setting of COVID-19 infection, the, the question becomes, what can we do to try to prevent this clotting from happening? And one of the first questions that comes up is regarding the use of aspirin. And it's been proposed, should everybody be considering or most people be considering taking aspirin to try to prevent blood clotting? Should they get COVID-19 or should those who've developed COVID-19 and have mild symptoms be taking aspirin? Or should those who are even have COVID-19 with a bit more significant symptoms, should they be given aspirin? And the bottom line is we just don't know. There, as of today, I was unable to find any research studies focusing on aspirin as a potential way to prevent blood clotting. The interesting thing, aspirin actually acts on the platelets in the blood, which is related to but separate from the typical blood clotting cascade. So it's unclear whether that would be beneficial anyway. And then you also need to consider the risks of taking aspirin. It, we don't give aspirin to children because of the risk of Rye syndrome, except in uh, rare cases of, of an illness called Kawasaki disease, which may actually be related to COVID-19. So there's some question in there as well. And in adults who consider taking aspirin, they do need to consider the possibility of gastrointestinal bleeding that can be a pretty significant risk with taking aspirin. And so we just don't know whether that is worth doing in the setting of, of COVID-19 infection or even increased risk of COVID-19 infection. And risks and benefits really do need to be weighed. We don't know if there's any benefit. So it's probably not worth taking aspirin, at least from what we know as of today. So then the question becomes, how about for somebody who is significantly sicker with COVID-19? And we actually do have some better guidelines for that. The American Society of Hematology has guidelines that say, say that all hospitalized patients with COVID-19 should receive pharmacologic prophylaxis with low molecular weight heparin or fondaparinux. That means giving lower doses of medications to prevent uh, clotting, try to prevent clotting from happening. So these are recommendations around prophylactic doses of these 
anti-clotting medications. We call often you hear them called blood thinners. These are given at lower doses to hospitalized patients. And it's a different dose than somebody who actually has a blood clot like a pulmonary embolism would be given higher doses of similar medications. And the question then becomes, should patients who are hospitalized, particularly in the ICU with COVID-19, should they be given actually therapeutic higher doses of, of these medications? And according to this American Society of Hematology, they're neither in favor nor against the use of therapeutic doses of anticoagulation in patients um, who are hospitalized. So it's a little bit unclear whether that's beneficial or not. And there are risks of being given blood thinners because they can uh, lead to potentially life-threatening bleeding. So those are the recommendations for really sick patients with COVID-19. And then, so then how about patients who have mild to moderate symptoms related to COVID-19? The recommendations are that these patients should be evaluated and assessed to try to determine their risk of developing blood clots. And those who are at moderate or high risk should be given prophylactic doses of the blood thinners to try to prevent the development of blood clots, as long as there are no contraindications to doing so. And then the same group of patients, once they go home from the hospital, if it is felt that they have a persistent risk of developing blood clots, it's recommended that they be given prolonged outpatient treatment with these blood thinners to try to prevent blood clots from forming. It is further recommended that in these patients who have mild to moderate symptoms that they should avoid being sedentary avoid being dehydrated, and should be encouraged to remain active with regular moving around, even things like pumping the ankles. Um, they should be encouraged to drink appropriate volumes of water when they're being isolated at home. And the idea here is to keep the blood volume up and to keep the blood volume circulating throughout the body. Because as we discussed earlier, when the blood in the veins is not moving, it's at higher risk of clotting. So by getting up, moving around, the muscle action actually helps pump the blood that's in veins. It keeps it moving and, and potentially decreases the risk of developing blood clots. So that is what we know about the risk of both arterial and venous blood clotting in the setting of COVID-19 infection from mild infection all the way through uh, patients who are in the ICU Clearly, those in the ICU who have the most severe disease are at the, the highest risk. But as we discussed earlier, we are seeing young people having strokes and uh, other people getting having kidney failure issues as a result of blood clotting. There's still a lot to be learned here about what is that actually is going on and what we can do to try to prevent and treat this disorder. I want to thank uh, Pranay Bonagiri from the Toro University School of Medicine for his assistance in the research for today's episode, and I wish you all a good day. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. If you have questions about COVID-19 that you'd like discussed on the podcast, send an email to info at arslanga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Be vigilant. 
but remain calm. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.